Hello there, Alaskans, wherever you are. Welcome to the Must Read Alaska Show, coming to you from somewhere in Alaska. This is the place where we talk about, you guessed it, Alaska, where we keep the mainstream media on their toes and where we are standing up for what's right and a world run by leftists. You can find out more by heading over to mustreadalaska.com and also checking out the Must Read Alaska YouTube channel for some really great content. But first, let's get this party started. What's good, Alaska? This is Scott Levesque, and you're listening to the midweek edition of the Must Read Alaska podcast. Welcome, everybody. I'm so glad you're here on this Thursday. This is going to be out a little bit later than normal. Uh, there's been a lot going on. We've been monitoring the the election, obviously, and now uh, the vote count has been a priority for us as well. And this morning I was on the Dan Fagan show, so there's just been a lot going on. So I apologize, but we are getting this out. Uh, before we do that, as always, I want to encourage you just to take one minute or two and go ahead and give us a five-star review. It's imperative for us. It helps us when people are searching for Alaska politics or perhaps some of the topics and conversations we have here on the podcast. And if you want to take it a step further, we'd love for you to give us a written review. It really is exciting to see all the people that really enjoy what we do. Again, we do this because we want our readers, our listeners, and our supporters to get the news, the complete news, not just one side, but the complete news. And that's what we do here at Must Read Alaska. We provide you the information that the mainstream media is reluctant to give you. So that's what we do. So if you could just take a minute or two, give us a five-star review. And if you want to go a step further, give us a written review. It's been really great to engage with that and see how much you guys really enjoy the podcast. Well, we've got a lot to talk about, okay? And I think my new catchphrase is, what's today's shenanigans? Because that seems to be my word for the last couple of days. Regardless, we got a lot to talk about. But one thing before we get into the Anchorage mayoral election and, and all of that, I just want to say there's there's something very interesting that happened. I must read Alaska. It's it's a article Suzanne Downing wrote, and it's probably going under the radar because it came out at a time when the election uh, was coming to a close, and obviously vote counts are beginning. But UAA has now uh, hired Governor Sean Purnell to take over as chancellor, which I think is a fantastic move. I think it's an extremely good move, and uh, and I think here's the deal: I've been in higher ed. Uh, for a portion of my professional career, uh, even so here in Alaska. And I think right now UAA is going through an identity crisis. I think from programs being postponed or programs being canceled to um, this kind of turbulent leadership in and out, uh, I just think this is a great move because I think Governor Purnell is going to provide some strong leadership and give some great vision for what UAA needs to be in the future. Listen, it's no it's no secret here. I've talked about it. Alaska's going through this this phase right now where we don't know, we as a state don't even know our identity. You know, the Biden administration has clamped down on resource development. They've made it very difficult. Uh, the pandemic has really cut short our tourist season. And that seems to be continuing into 2021 now. This state's kind of reeling. And the microcosm of that is UAA right now, at least that I can see. I'm not up at Fairbanks, so I can't tell. But here 
in Anchorage, UAA is going through identity crisis. And I think this hire, having Governor Sean Parnell come in, is going to be a great move. Listen, the governor's very intimate, has intimate knowledge of the state, has an, uh, an acute understanding of the different aspects, departments, sectors of Alaska as a whole. And I think as he positions UAA to be uh, at the forefront of higher education for the state in, term, in terms of educating students and adults, um, adult students who are going to be the next leaders, the next economic engine of the state. He's going to be able to position UAA to do that. And I think what's going to end up happening is you're going to have to take a hard look at what UAA is currently and how do you make that shift moving forward? How do you turn the aircraft carrier as opposed to the speedboat around into a direction that's really going to help um, the economic viability of this city moving forward. So I think that was a great hire by UAA. I think uh, moving forward, I'm going to be really interested to see how Governor Purnell positions UAA uh, through the different stages of this. And uh, I'm really excited. So that's something that kind of went under the radar because obviously this week it's been about the close of the Anchorage mayoral election. It's been about vote counting and, and really it's been about some some interesting shenanigans going on, and and I'm, I'm being very careful about how we position uh, what's happened over the last couple of days because right now there's no conclusive evidence of anything going on in terms of a, a, a campaign. But I'm going to tell you that we're going to dive into some of the weird things that are going on down at the election office. But before we get into that, obviously, many of you know, many of you know, and I hope it's not just because I've been yelling at you to vote and to not forget there's a runoff, but because you have people in your community who care about Anchorage, who want to see the municipality uh, go forward instead of backwards. I hope many of you know that we had a runoff election and it closed on Tuesday. Tuesday was the last day to postmark your, your ballot. If you were mailing it in, uh, the last day to hand in your ballot at one of the ballot stations, collection sites. So what does that mean? Well, we're in the process right now of counting. And many of you were eager to figure out exactly what was going on. And so wasn't I, right? So if we remember what happened, I'm going to call it the primary. And I'm going to call it that way because it helps us understand. The, the, the election that had 9,000 candidates in it, what we saw was this. Day of election, so the last day to, to postmark your ballot, you saw that Bronson was down two points. As the votes kept continuing to be counted, Bronson made up and eventually overtook Dunbar. And at the end of that, obviously he didn't get um, the percentage needed to not have a runoff. But at the end of that, in the totality of votes, he was ahead of Dunbar by two points. Which, talking to the Bronson campaign, is what they expected to see. And here's the reason. As I said on Fagan Show this morning... Conservatives and Republicans turn out day of. So they turn out on Tuesday at the end of the election day and they vote. They hand in their ballot. It's just, it's ingrained in that tribe. It's ingrained. That's how they operate. And so because of that, the Bronson campaign expected to be down a couple points and to make up that margin go out. So they had a four-point swing when it was, I'm going to call it the primary election, the primaries when all those candidates were involved, all like 6,000 of them. But then you have the runoff. You have the runoff here. And it was really decided that to make sure that Bronson had a chance, there was a margin that needed to happen. 
And it was very similar to the margin that needed to happen uh, in the election prior, the primary. And so what did we find? Well, number one, we found that there were many people who voted late. That is being reported now. Many people voted late. They really did. It was amazing how many people waited and waited and waited to vote until the very last day, which was Tuesday, May 11th. They waited. So the idea was, is how, how much is that going to affect the election? Well, most of the votes that were turned in by mail were counted on day one. So day one, there was about 72,144, and I say about, that's the exact number, 72,144 votes counted on day one. Okay, many of those were postmarked ahead, many of those, and I believe what the municipality uh, election office says is that anything that's turned in prior to noon, maybe that might be off a little bit, on election day is going to be counted in the first, um, the first numbers reported. So the first numbers reported had about, had 72,144 votes counted. Now that's about just shy of 30.5% of the population. And here are the numbers. Bronson got 49.92%. Dunbar got 50.08% of the vote, totaling that, that vote count. Okay? The difference in total votes was about 114 now, I believe, if I remember correctly, when talking to the Bronson campaign, they were looking at a margin of 100 to 120 votes to be within to be able to have a really great chance of winning because they're expecting the conservative Republican voter to turn out on the day after work. They're, they're expecting a large portion of that. They're expecting a large turnout of Republican conservative voters after the fact. So they're not mailing their ballot in. They're either going to a drop site or going to the election office. So that's what we had day one. Bronson down less than 1% of the vote. Down 114 votes. We moved to day two, which was Wednesday's count. Some interesting things here. The difference of votes counted, okay, not votes submitted, but votes total that are going to candidates, was roughly, are you ready for this? Just shy of 4,000 additional votes counted from the first night to the second night. However, what it showed was something extremely interesting, okay? Here's what it showed. Bronson took the lead. Bronson took the lead. It went from Forrest leading to Bronson leading. Now, Bronson, as of today, is leading He's got about 50.18% of the vote to Dunbar's 49.82% of the vote. That's huge. That is a huge turnaround. And according to the, again, according to the Bronson campaign, because the Dunbar campaign won't talk to me, that is exactly where they think they need to be for a win. That is exactly where they think they need to be for a win. So they're very encouraged. Now, here's the deal. This was a huge swing. Day two shows that Bronson's up by 278 votes. So what that really means is that that was a vote swing of 392, which is big, which is big when it's this razor tight. 
Okay? It's big. So now you have a changing of the lead. We're going to have more votes to be counted. When it was election night, I believe they said 20,000 additional votes needed to be counted. I don't know how long that's going to take. If from day one to day two, only 4,000 votes, roughly, were counted. So I don't know if it's going to take three days, four days, five days. I don't know how many days it's going to take. But it's showing that trend that the Bronson campaign thought was going to happen, which was the later votes were going to swing towards the conservative candidate, and they were going to show as the vote counts came in after election night. And that's what's happening right now. The trend is moving towards Bronson. Well, what does that mean? Well, that certainly means that the Dunbar campaign has probably got their eyes open, figuring out what's going on, looking at the numbers, figuring out if they have a shot, if this is going to be a trend that continues like it did in the primary. Or, again, I'm calling the primary the first election cycle, which had 9,000 candidates in it. Or is it going to level off? And listen, both candidates right now are asking for donations for legal funds, whether it's for a recount or whether it's to contest the election. doesn't matter. That's what they're doing. Standard practice. Absolutely. Particularly in a, in a race this close. Absolutely. But here's the thing. With all of that information I just gave you, with everything that's going on out there, with the fact that both of these individuals ran tough campaigns, both of these individuals stuck to their strategy. Both of these individuals have diametrically opposite ways of fixing Anchorage. We all knew that the race was going to be close. This is going to be a close race. The question was, is how are those middle-of-the-road voters going to swing? Were they going to go with more of the conservative candidate or were they going to go with the left-leaning candidate? So we'll see as that continues on. But in the midst of all this information and data I'm giving you, there's this weird kind of why can't we just help ourselves type of scenario going on. So yesterday I went down to the office of uh, the election office and did a Facebook Live because we had gotten tips that some things were going on at night that were just out of the norm. Okay, these are just things that were just were reporting that just seem. Why would you do this? Why would you why would you move this way? Okay, number one, let's follow the timeline. Election night, May 11th, that's Tuesday of this week. At night, votes were being counted. Um, totals were being added up. Now, keep in mind, both sides have ballot watchers there, I'm going to call them. They, they have people inside that are watching the count. I believe Forrest had three. The Bronson team had four. They're watching counts going on. And so... They go to about, again, the timeline's a little fuzzy, but just keep in mind, it's ishes, okay? So about 9.30-ish, everybody was told, we're done for the night. You can go ahead and move on. Uh, we're gonna we're, we're done. We're done here. We'll, we'll start again tomorrow. Well, everybody leaves. Everybody leaves, except for, apparently, four people that stayed an additional hour and a half afterwards. Now, we'll get to that in a minute. In the course of the timeline, there's a uh, cars coming in and out. Nobody's getting out of the car, but they're coming in and out around that area. And if you know where the uh, election office is, I mean, it's it's in an area where you have to be going that way to go down there. There's not a lot of people that go down there and just go, oh, I must have missed my turn. So anyways, 
just the activity, the amount of activity down there was a little weird. I mean, maybe, maybe not. But there was a woman outside with, again, she's holding box. Nobody knows what's inside the box. She's checking doors around the uh, election office and actually opens up the side door because it's unlocked. Just opens it right up. Looks inside, looks around, shuts it, and moves on. Now, my concern actually is not totally the box. My concern is the fact that that side door is open. Why is that door open? Why is any door open? That's my question. Like, if if we're supposedly done for the night at 9.30, you would assume that every door is locked. Now, I know. Maybe it was an oversight. But you can't have those when you're doing a... Uh, an important election where every vote is, you know, important for this election. Every number matters. So that was interesting. On top of that, again, we have video evidence of all of this. On top of that, you could clearly see in a window that had shades, that had blinds that were open enough to see multiple people in the office working. They were in the office working, doing something. Now, the Bronson team, I know, was tipped off on this. I don't know if the Dunbar team, like I said, the Dunbar team doesn't contact me. I've tried to reach out to get Dunbar on this program. The election's over now, so I think he could care less. But I tried to get him to come onto this podcast a couple of times to, to no response. It wasn't even like, no, thank you. I just got no response. But I do know the Bronson team was tipped off and told, hey, there are still people down here. And their response was, wait a minute, I thought we were told everybody was leaving at 9.30. So they come down to the election office to find four people funneling out of the building. And when confronted, they asked the question, what are you doing here? We were told we were done at 9.30-ish. Now, when they arrived, it was just after 11. So that's an hour and a half, somewhere between an hour and an hour and a half after they left, after everybody was told we're done for the night, that people are still there. It was a municipal clerk, the deputy clerk, and two other workers. And their response, which I, I tell my son all the time, don't answer a question with a question. Their response was a question, which was, what are you doing here? To which they responded, we were told that there are people working here. What are you doing here? Again, guys, it started in 2016. When everybody questioned the legitimacy of that president. It carried over into 2020. When there was questions about the legitimacy in voting for that president. And now we've got it here. And I'm not saying that they were, there was any malice going on. But the optics look bad. The optics look bad. Listen, nobody should be in there alone. No, Once, once the day is done. Once there are no more observers from each candidate's side in the building, when everybody says we're done for the night, it should be done for the night. If there's work that needs to happen, do it, do it at your office, not at the election office. Do it at your office. Just do it at your office. I don't understand why this is such a hard concept, and yet here we are. And it's about the optics. So let's fast forward to yesterday. Yesterday, about 1.45 p.m., an alarm goes off. Now, keep in mind, keep in mind this. 
There is a live feed from YouTube that has about nine cameras that all face into the the counting area. Okay? But I mean, again, optics. It's just weird. It's weird. It's When I say shenanigans, it's not always actually somebody doing something. Shenanigans is just also the optics. It just looks weird. Why is this happening? Why? In a, in a municipality that wants to ensure transparency, we have these weird things happening after hours. We have people staying past when they say we're done for the night. And again, it could be benign, but nobody knows and that's the problem. The live feed only goes from 8 to 5 p.m., 8 a.m. to 5 p.m. So anything that happens after 5, nobody, no public can see. And when you tell both candidates observers that that's done for the night we're all done for the night we're done counting for the night then everybody should leave that way there's no hey what's going on why didn't everybody leave you don't have an incident like you had on tuesday night and then if a fire alarm goes off on wednesday people aren't like rolling their eyes going okay what's what's trying to happen again it's optics it is optics regardless of who's in the lead and who's not in the lead and again when i reported live i just reported the facts didn't mention anybody's campaign. Didn't mention anything. The only campaign mention was when I said that I knew the Bronson team had got tipped off. Because I don't know if the Dunbar team did. All I know is that Bronson now has a Winnebago at the election office, camped out 24-7, and he's got it staffed. It's enough shenanigans where that had to happen. And that's just a bad look. It's just a bad look. I mean, why are we doing this? Why? If we're done for the night, and you say we're done for the night, we're done for the night. Yesterday, it's 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 being reported that, once again, the municipal clerk was in the election office by herself. Still confer- I'm still trying to get 100% confirmation, but about 90 to 95% sure that the municipal clerk was in there by herself. Why? If you need to do work, go to your office. You don't need to be in there. Why? You're only causing... The optics of that is just bad. It's just bad. And I know what you're saying to me. Scott, listen, why do we why do we elect these officials if they're not... Don't get me started. Listen, election integrity has been the forefront of our last two elections nationally. It's been at the forefront of our state elections last fall. Don't sit here and tell me, hey, we need to, you know, come on, what do we hire these people? We're all, both sides have been vocal on this. So don't pretend, do not pretend like this doesn't matter. It does matter. If you're done for the night, you're done for the night. Period. No questions. No questions. So, What's going to happen moving forward? What is going to happen moving forward? Are they, Is the municipality going to take... I'm not even saying my recommendation. But are they going to actually look at... When they say... When they send people home... They better go home. Everybody. Do not leave people the opportunity to imagine or fabricate or think of things that could possibly happen in the wake of the fact that not everybody leaves when they say they're done for the night. 
What other things must happen? And here's the other thing. Transparency within the process. It's one thing to be, quote, transparent when you have nine cameras pointing in the counting area from 8 a.m. to 5 p.m. It's another thing to see the procedure and how that happens. Is there a reason why four people needed to stay behind after they said they were done? Are, are not the ballots put away and locked up? Is, isn't everything done prior to saying we're done for the night? That's the question. That's the question I'd love an answer to. Listen, if, if our, our, quote, shenanigans outlook on what's going on is false, then somebody give us some information as to why people are still there after it's said that they're done for the night. That's all I want to know. Like, don't leave it up to the voter to, to fill in the blanks. Because the optics, like I said, are bad. They're just bad. They're bad. Well, guys, there's lots more to talk about. Listen, next week we're probably going to hit on a couple of things. I'm hoping by next week not only will this race be certified, we'll know the winner, and we'll figure out some of this election transparency stuff and maybe even get some answers as to why some of these things happened on Tuesday and Wednesday night. Regardless, regardless, we're going to talk about the PFD, obviously, is a big topic right now and some of the legislation being put forward by supposed conservatives. Um, what's going to happen with uh, the PFD moving forward. I know that um, Governor Dunleavy put together a coalition of legislators uh, to help cement the PFD long term. So this back and forth every year is is taken out of the hands of the legislator. And it's just, here's what we do. I thought we had that, but apparently we don't. So here's what we do. Um, so we're going to talk all about that next week. But stay tuned. Listen, if you, if you haven't liked us on Facebook, go ahead and do that. If you haven't followed us on Twitter, we have a Twitter as well and a YouTube channel. We have MeWe, we have Parlor, we have Rumble, and it's all under the handle Must Read Alaska. That's all one word. On YouTube, it's youtube.com slash mustreadalaska. And, of course, you can find all our content on mustreadalaska.com. Listen, we love our listeners, readers, and supporters. And if you want to help us continue to make sure we can put out this content, that we can get to where we need to go, that we can bring forth breaking news, and we can help you have the full picture of the news instead of just one side, a lens of the news, but a full picture, please help us by supporting us here at Must Read Alaska. You can go to mustreadalaska.com, the top right-hand side. There's the donate section. We would greatly appreciate it. We, uh, we do this so that we can get you guys the information. I think it's important for us to do that. And the way we do that is uh, by helping us and supporting us financially. Once again, thank you so much. we got a lot going on. But until next week, take care.